what are we doing? We're, we're looking to get Justin Fields experience. I believe Matt Eberflus when he says that, but what, are, what experience are we trying to get? Shouldn't we be working on the passing game, right? Let's see if we can protect the quarterback. Let's see if we can execute against an opponent that is one of the worst in the league at defending the pass. That's what the Lions are. They were just carved up by Sam Darnold, who I think is the third trigger with Carolina the week prior, right? So uh, that's the number one thing, Alyssa, I was looking for in this game. I was thinking, you know what? We should have a shot to see Fields go near 300-yard passing game. We still haven't gotten that in his career. Like This was the kind of game where it's like, let's get Chase Claypool going. Let's see if we can do it. Let's see it all click. And we get the all-around worst passing game of the season in Week 17. A lot to question with how the Bears looked against the Lions, the game plan the coaches came up with, the decisions that were made during a blowout there in the second half. We have some thoughts on that coming up. First and foremost, our thoughts continue to be with Damar Hamlin, the family of Damar Hamlin, the Bills, the Bengals, and everyone involved on Monday night. With that being said, it's the Bears Wire podcast. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined by Alyssa Barbieri, the managing editor of USA Today's Bears Wire. Alyssa, happy new year. How are you doing this week? I'm doing good. I hope that you had a new year. Uh, oh my God, that's so bad. I did have a new <laughs> year, a, yes. I hope you had a good new year is what I meant to say. Sorry, just kind of uh, shaken, obviously, with everything that's happened. But um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's an interesting start to the new year. I can't believe we only have one one week left, at least, you know, for, you know, the Bears in this season who are not going to the playoffs. But, you know, it's it's kind of crazy that it's already here at the end of the season and it feels like it just started. We were just talking before we hit record, Alyssa, that we barely slept last night. We were all we were both on Twitter, refreshing Twitter, trying to get updates on Damar Hamlin. And let's just right off the top here, just say that, you know, that's where our thoughts have been and continue to be with the family of Damar Hamlin, the Bills, the Bengals, just horrifying on Monday night. I don't think there's any other way to put it. Um, I'm glad they ultimately canceled the game, Alyssa, right? Uh, and I, I'm glad they're not going to try to resume it this week, try to play Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. Uh, you know, the focus, of the, NFL, the focus of the NFL world continues to be where it should be, and it's clinging for updates on Hamlin's condition and, like, praying for a full recovery, right? That's kind of where the focus is right now. Yeah, and that's exactly where it should be. I mean, you know, we were talking, and like you mentioned, it was hard for us to sleep, and the the impact that this has had on everybody uh, it's just you go and you think like, oh my gosh, like the like how are these players feeling and the team and his family most importantly, and it just really puts things into perspective, you know. And it's one of you know getting to see the football community rally around each other. I mean, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about this. Like, yes, it is a game; it's a violent game, but when you have people come together like this and. You know, watching, for example, how, you know, you know, Damar Hamlin's charity, you know, went from what, $10,000 to now it's probably around 4 million at the time that we are recording this. I mean, that's just, it's a really beautiful thing. And, you know, like you said, at this point, our thoughts uh, are with Damar and his family and, you know, his team, his teammates and everybody in the NFL, because just how, I mean, that's rattled us, you know, right. And we're not the ones playing and it's just, it was very, very, very scary. And, you know, we're really praying for um, his well-being and that he gets through this because, man, he's he's a great kid from everything, you know, that I've been looking at and want nothing more than for him to, you know, wake up and, you know, just really get to see the impact, you know, and how the football community has rallied around him. I mean, I think that's at this point, we would love that. 
yeah, I think we're all just clinging to updates, hoping that that's what happens, that he does wake up, that he does have a full recovery. But as we talk here, as we're recording this week's show, uh, I think he still remains sedated at UC Medical Center, still in critical condition. So uh, that's where it is as we start to record. We usually keep it light on the show and we talk bears. Uh, I still want to do a show, Alyssa. I just thought we should mention that. Obviously, again, we're both affected by it. We're both thinking about it. Uh, it puts everything into perspective when you're, you know, arguing about Matt Nagy, this Nick Foles, Iberflus, whatever, all the stuff that we, the bits we've done over the years, it does put it all into perspective that uh, these are human beings uh, and not just football players. And I think that's what Monday night showed us. But we do want to talk about the Bears and and where I want to start this week with the Bears coming off this just horrible loss to the Lions, Alyssa. That was a disaster. Yeah. Uh, and I think my question is, should we have beef with the Bears coaches over how this blowout loss was handled, right? Because, well, first of all, Justin Fields plays the entire game, despite the Lions sitting their starters in the fourth quarter, right? Matt, Matt Eberflus said that happened largely for two reasons. Number one, the Bears wanted to get Fields experience. And number two, Fields wanted to be out there, right? So what do you think about that uh, before we kind of launch into this? Uh, you know, those two things, right? Fields playing throughout this game, uh, just a, an utter blowout. The offense could not move the ball after a couple of drives in the early going, right? The Bears sit their starters, but Fields stays out there just getting pummeled every every series. Uh, and the fact that he stayed in the game and just the way the Bears handled this game overall, just not being ready, not being competitive. It was just really ugly. What's your like thoughts on it in general before I kind of launch into my take on it? Yeah, no, it was very surprising because, I mean, it's been very ugly, obviously, when you're on a nine-game losing streak. But one of the most impressive things that I, you know, we'd seen from Matt Eberflus was that he was able to keep his team going, right? Keep them motivated and keep them really, you know, they had an effort every time they played and they would, especially when you look at how they played against the Eagles and the Bills and how those are, you know, some top teams that are going to be competing for a Super Bowl and how they just kind of stayed with it, even though they lost. I mean, we're used to that effort, right? And to seeing, and to see, the performance that they had against the Lions, who, you know, yes, they are a good team, I think, but again, they're not the Bills or they're not the Eagles. And I mean, just they didn't show up is what it looked like. And when that happens, that's on the coaches. And it really looked like, you know, the coaches didn't show up, the players didn't show up, and they just got embarrassed against the Lions. And it was that was about as ugly as obviously that we've seen this season. And it really fell out of place. I'm not gonna lie. It felt like we we're watching like the Matt Nagy Bears from last year. That's the kind of effort, right? Like when they were on a, a six game losing streak, nowhere near as ugly as nine games, right? And yet the effort that we had seen from the team with Matt Eberflus and keeping them going had been there until Sunday. And I mean, it was brutal. I mean, and like you mentioned, the decision to keep Fields out there. And I know, I mean, depending on who you talk to, you know, there are people taking both sides. I mean, I understand the value of having fields on the field. There is no substitute for those on-field in-game reps. And I, obviously, this offseason is going to be very important. And, you know, those on-field reps, you're not going to get them until next season. But at the same time, there's a, you know, there comes a moment when they don't become valuable. And that's when you're in a blowout, right? Whether you're the team that is blowing out somebody or if you're getting the doors blown off you, right? And that's exactly what happened to the Bears. And especially when you see you know, how injuries are just kind of, especially how you've seen injuries have impacted the Bears this season, right? And again, in this game with Tevin Jenkins going down again, which was very scary considering he had just had that neck injury a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
And you don't really want, obviously you don't want to put your franchise quarterback in harm's way, especially when you have only a couple of games left and there's nothing at stake, right? So I understand the value of getting him those reps. And that was very valuable in the first half. But then once the game was out of hand, like Matt Eberflus needs to make the call. And yes, you know, there are reports that Justin Fields didn't want to come out of the game, but I don't care. That's the coach's call. Like you're not going to put him out there. Fields is never going to take himself out of a game in college. He got, he had cracked ribs and he was still playing through it. You were not going to take him out. And obviously there's a big difference between those two games, right? One you're competing uh, in the college football playoff. And then the other one, I mean, you have, you're competing to break an, an eight game losing streak. So I mean, it's just vastly different, but I mean, I think that the Bears should have pulled him. Um, I understand going into it, and I wasn't mad that they are playing him, but when it gets to a point when it's meaningless and dangerous, that's when you got to get him out. I couldn't agree more. I think all the points that Eberflus made, like we want to get Fields experience, Fields wants to be out there, I think that all makes a lot of sense pregame, right? Pregame. Why are we letting Fields play through injuries, play out the string? It's because, yes, that experience is valuable. And pregame, before that Lions game, there was value in that. But in the second half, when we saw the we saw the Bears could not move the football, and the Lions were just completely dominating the Bears in all facets, facets of the game, especially on defense, uh, it was time to get Fields out of that ball game, especially, Alyssa, when the Lions took their starters out in the fourth quarter. I mean, what are we freaking yeah. doing here? Uh, but, you know... It all kind of comes down to this. Like, what were we really looking for against the Lions on Sunday? And for me, it was the passing game, right? Like, what are we doing? We're, we're looking to get Justin Fields experience. I believe Matt Eberflus when he says that. But what, are, what experience are we trying to get? Shouldn't we be working on the passing game, right? Let's see if we can protect the quarterback. Let's see if we can execute against an opponent that is one of the worst in the league at defending the pass. That's what the Lions are. They were just carved up by Sam Darnold, who I think is the third trigger with Carolina the week prior, right? So... Uh, that's the number one thing, Alyssa, I was looking for in this game. I was thinking, you know what? We should have a shot to see Fields go near 300-yard passing game. We still haven't gotten that in his career. Like This was the kind of game where it's like, let's get Chase Claypool going. Let's see if we can do it. Let's see it all click. And we get the all-around worst passing game of the season in Week 17, right? Like, what? Just like that one I put on the coach. I don't put it on Fields because I'm not one of these Fields can't throw people. Uh, I believe Fields can throw, but I just know that there's been no consistency in the passing game overall, coaching, quarterback play, blocking, receiving, all of it has not been consistent. And I just, I wanted to see that happen in the game, Alyssa, against the Lions. That's a team you should be able to throw it against and for it to be that bad, for them to not be able to protect or block or pass and catch and with any consistency, for them to only be able to score off heroic plays by Fields in the running game again was super frustrating to me. And that's, that's what's kind of got me – that's what's aggravating me the most after that game. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there's a lot of blame to go around, and I do think Justin deserves a little bit because there are some moments in this game too where you could see once again kind of what we saw in the first six weeks before that mini bye week where he was holding on to the ball for a little long. Like when he had Claypool open, like you got to just throw it. But at the same time, then you have receivers dropping catches, right? You have the offensive – you have uh, Braxton Jones giving up two sacks and three plays. I mean – it's just, it's brutal out there, right? And that's what it makes. I'm so frustrated when people, you know, call him a running back, kind of like what they did with Lamar Jackson, right? And people still do. But <laughs> Justin Fields is their offense. He can't block for himself. He can't go and catch, right? He So what he does, like, take the ball and go. Like, I mean, that's what he has to protect himself. And that's been the most frustrating thing because 
when you, especially when you look at him in college and he was an elite deep ball thrower, like he was an elite passer at Ohio state. So, and that's the thing that, you know, we've been hoping to see, but look at what he's working with. Right. And yes, Claypool came back, but again, it still seems like he's limited in this offense. He wasn't out there on the field a lot. Granted, he is coming back from a knee injury as well. So maybe they were limiting him. They're down. Darnell Mooney didn't have a number one receiver at all this season anyway. So, I mean, and the offensive line, don't get me started. I feel like at this point, maybe Tevin Jenkins, um, assuming that he is okay, might be the only lock to have a starting job there. But I think that all positions will be up for grabs along the offensive line. But it's really clear that Ryan Poles has a lot of work to do. But, I mean, that's another reason why you wanted, you know, a lot of people wanted him to get out of there, right? Because you saw the beating he was taking in that game, and it just wasn't worth it anymore. No, I'm not, I'm not sure when. Sometime in the second half, they should have just said, this isn't working. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> Let's just pull the plug here and get Fields out of there. Uh, but no, they kept him in there the whole time. He was pressured on 56% of his passes. Uh, he was sacked seven times. <laughs> it was just not good. <laughs> it was just not good, Alyssa. Uh, but, tough. you know, I know Fields wants to be out there. I know he wanted to be out there when he dislocated his shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said the decision is going to be with Justin Fields. And it's like, no, it's, it shouldn't be with Justin Fields. No, it should be with the organization. <laughs> in, on, in the Lions game, in the fourth quarter, it, the decision should not be with Justin Fields to stay in the game. It should be on Eberflus. He needs to figure out how to step up and say, Justin, I'm going to save you from yourself. You're going to sit, buddy. Like, we're love you, mean it, but you've done enough today. We're going to save you for next week. Why can't we do that? But again, as I say that, I understand Fields, and he is wired differently. And he's definitely, you know, he's he's got people believing in him. I think the coaches, they don't want to take him out because he is that guy. He is just wired differently. And you know what he reminds me of? You know, I'm a... I'm a, a longtime Patriots fan. I grew up a Patriots fan, Alyssa. Uh, growing up through the the Tom Brady era, the early area era of Tom Brady. I was in high school and college. I know I'm spoiled, spoiled brat over here. So uh, spoiled. But Justin Fields reminds me of Brady to the sense where Brady played through every injury. You had to drag him off the field in the preseason. The preseason, he would whine about coming off the field. He wanted to play all four quarters every preseason game. He would cry about it in the press conferences. He'd say, yeah, I wanted to be out there. Because he's just wired weird. You know, he's just wired differently. He's just got that thing. He'd stay on the field for all the blowouts. He'd be the one kneeling it at the end of the games. Field's wired like that. They're, they're, that's a different thing. To, to be that obsessed with football. To not want to come off the field. Not every player's wired like that. Field's is. And I think I love that about the kid. <laughs> I do. I just like, I think that's what I love. That's what I hold on to after this just brutal week. Uh, but you mentioned Chase Claypool. I mean... You gotta, you feel the frustrations there, right? I mean, he came over here with big expectations. The Bears gave up a very valuable draft pick to get him. He's got 111 yards, no touchdowns in his first six games. He was targeted once in the game Sunday. So it hasn't been a great first half a season for Claypool. You know, he got goose-egged against the Lions again. Uh, and, you know, he was, I guess, venting some frustrations, Alyssa. But you were, I know you were writing about and tweeting about how you loved how Fields kind of responded to all that. And that's another thing that kind of shows the incredible leadership the quarterback has been showing. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic uh, was the one who noticed it on the sideline during the game because it wasn't on the TV copy, but where Claypool coming off off the field on a failed third down, you know, was just really frustrated. He threw his helmet down and, you know, he was voicing his frustration with receivers coach Tyke Tolbert. And, you know, Justin Fields came over to talk to him and, you know, just kind of like hearing Fields 
um, after the game and when he was asked about it by Fishbane. Uh, it just, I mean, it just shows you what a great leader that he is. And he's talking about, you know, the frustration, but how that comes from a place of passion and how it's about controlling that because we, again, you know, this is a violent game, right? Where they're going at it and you have to kind of rein it back. And it's, it's very difficult. I can, I can imagine, uh, to have to do that in a game that is so demanding, uh, from a physical standpoint. And, you know, it's kind of the frustrations, like you mentioned, um, you know, the fact that he hasn't had a Claypool hasn't had a productive season since he was traded to the bears. And then obviously he's had injury struggles with his knee so far. So there's, I understand why Claypool was mad. Like, I'm like, I'm actually not even mad about it quite frankly, because I understand now, again, if we're in a contending season, that's different, but for right now, for, for, um, Claypool and everything that he's been going through, I mean, you can, you understand why he's frustrated. But like Field said, you do have to control that, right? Especially because this is a team on a nine-game losing streak, right? And I mean, everyone's dealing with that, right? It's not just Claypool and it's not just Fields. Like everybody is and kind of going back to how Matt Eberflus has rallied his team despite that and they still keep going and talking about Fields, like you mentioned, and how he will not pull himself from the field um, it kind of feels like, you know, that's his way of showing everyone that he's going to keep going, which is what he was talking about in the postgame press conference as well, when he's out there putting his body on the line over and over again and battling through injuries, and he's going to keep fighting and going out and playing his hardest. You know, he's representing that team. That is a true leader, and he is the leader of that team, and people are going to follow him and rally around him. And it was just really amazing to get to see that that side of fields because I mean, that's what this team needs. Uh, and I think that Fields has grown a lot this season. You know, obviously we've seen his evolution as a player and he's become one of one of the most exciting players, uh, especially when it comes to running the football. But you've also seen how he's matured as a leader. Uh, and it's been one of the one of the good things in an otherwise really underwhelming, disappointing season. Yeah, I love the kid. And that's why I give Eberflus a little bit of rope when I say, uh, why don't you pull him? Why don't you just take him out of the game, save him from himself? Because I get that part of it. He is wired a little bit differently. Uh, and there it is. But yeah, I I enjoyed his commentary on Claypool too. And I'm just trying to picture what that conversation would have been like a list on the sideline. Like, Chase, man, what do you want me to do? I'm getting pressured on every drop back, man. I can't get you the ball. You calm down. <laughs> calm down. We'll work on it this offseason. <laughs> In the offseason. Don't you think I'm frustrated too? Seriously, <laughs> seriously, man. Keep it together here. I'm the one getting crushed back here. Uh, so yeah, so that, that was probably an interesting conversation between the two. Uh, but yeah, it's almost over. We're almost to the off season where they could really work on things and fix the roster and try to field a winning football team again, Alyssa. Uh, we're on the 2023 after the bears host the Vikings in week 18. The bears are, I, I was a little surprised by this number. Now, last I looked, it was three and a half. There were three and a half point home underdogs to the Vikings. I think it's at four now. It's okay. It's moved to four moving a little yeah. bit in the Vikings direction. So feels like an Not interesting number. It's a, yeah, but it's an interesting low number there. You might want to bet the Vikings <laughs> in this one. Uh, the Vikes are are not planning to rest their starters because they can still get as high as the number two seed. They just got completely blown out by the Packers. So they're not going to be happy coming in. And, you know, you see what the Packers did with like Jair Alexander, like locking up and frustrating Justin Jefferson. Speaking of throwing your helmet, you see that highlight of Jefferson <laughs> hitting the hitting the referee and then stopping himself before he bashed the referee with his helmet on accident. Oh, Holy crap. So yeah, so that team is mad. Uh, if you saw, if you watched Justin Justin Jefferson in that game against the Packers at all, and I was hoping that he would do more than one catch for 15 yards for my fantasy team in the championship, Alyssa, 
I went down. Oh. I went down in flames. Thank you, Justin Jefferson. Really appreciate that. One catch for 15 yards. What's what's going on with that man? But yeah, he was very frustrated, throwing his helmet all over the place. Uh, could not separate from Jair Alexander. Kirk Cousins was awful, and it was just a horrible game for the Vikings. They will be mad coming to uh, coming to Chicago this week for sure. Uh, and you know the Bears did play them competitive though back in Week Five, right? The Bears had a lead in the fourth quarter. The Vikings had to have a drive on their home turf to win it. Uh, but before we actually like talk about this matchup and how we'd approach it from a betting standpoint, we always do that. So even in week 18, Alyssa, we're still going to do it. But there is more, there's more to this story, right? And that is where the Bears are going to end up drafting in the 2023 draft in the, this spring, right? And they have an outside. I'm surprised the Texans have let this happen, but they have a, a realistic shot at the number one overall pick, right? And, and I know you have an article that's, I think it's going to be posted by the time our show goes live uh, that you you have all the different scenarios where the bears could end up different things. Like what sticks out to you uh, about where the bears could end up picking and how things could shape, shape out here in week 18 in terms of the bears in their 2023 draft. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that stands out is that they actually have a really good chance of getting the number one pick. They do. Cause when you look at, obviously you have a Vikings team, like you mentioned, that was just embarrassed by the Packers and they still have something to play for, for that number two seed where they would be guaranteed to host a home divisional game. I mean, and then you look at, you know, they just played the lions, right. And the lions were coming off an embarrassing loss to the Panthers and they just smoked the bears. So like, I'm actually thinking that something similar could happen. And then you look at the Texans, obviously they're playing the Colts and the Colts have obviously been struggling here of late. And you look at how Houston was hanging in with Dallas. uh, And I mean, I really think that the Texans have a good shot of beating the Colts, especially after they just got hammered by the giants. I mean, I think that the bears have a really good chance of getting that number one pick. Um, But if they lose, they can go no lower than number two, which that would still be an incredibly valuable pick, especially for Ryan Poles. I mean, like whether they, especially if they have the number one pick, I, that would be just huge because if you have a team that is in love with Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or Will Levis, like, I mean, you can have, you can, if they pay a King's ransom, you take it. Right. And they'll have and to, especially right? if you're the number exactly. one overall pick, it's gotta be a King's ransom. That's the most valuable yeah. pick you can trade. Absolutely. And there are a lot of teams too, that, you know, are even like inside the top 10, right. Or top 15 that need that pick. So you could still, especially if it's within the top 10, cause you want to jump somebody, you could still have that a very valuable first round pick this year on top of everything else that you could get. So, I mean, even with that number two pick, if, you know, for a team that obviously would be very high on whoever, you know, whatever quarterback wouldn't go first overall, it looks like I think we can all say that at this point, it looks like Bryce Young is going to be the first overall pick if the Texans are there. I mean, again, you still have the option to, uh, there are going to be teams that probably would love that number two pick. So again, you could trade back and acquire a, a lot of draft capital, especially for a team that has so many holes that's so incredibly important. Or again, you know, you could go, you could draft a defensive talent uh, like Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. I mean, there's a lot of options, but also the there's really good news too. Even if the Bears, by the grace of God and just shocking everybody, beat the Vikings on Sunday, the good news is they can go no lower than the fourth overall pick. So that is the good news, right? So they're still going to have a top four pick in the NFL draft. Um, but yeah, there's so many, the different scenarios. I mean, I think that it's, it's making this weekend like must watch. For Bears fans, right? So I think obviously watching the Bears game and I think uh, obviously that that Houston uh, Indianapolis game is going to be a big one, too. So, I mean, it's going to be exciting, right? I mean, for a team on a nine game losing streak, I mean, I think 
the you know fans have plenty to be excited about right now. Yeah, thanks to this nine-game losing streak, we're locked into at least the top four pick. <laughs> That's good. And if we lose, we are picking no lower than second with a with a shot at being number one because the Texans, because of their tie earlier in the year, are three thirteen and one, and that is a better record than three and fourteen. So if that's where the Bears finish, they'll be worse than the Texans and get the number one pick. So, uh, yeah, so that'll be fun to watch how that plays out. It all comes down to can the Bears do their part and lose to the Vikings? And I think they can, Alyssa. Uh, Now, I think the Vikings might be fraudulent. I think they might lose in the first round of the playoffs, even if they're the two seed. I really think the Vikings might be a fraudulent team. You look at their point differential. What is it? I think it's negative 19, their point differential, and they're a 12 and four football team. Go figure that. (laughs) Go figure that. They're 12 and four with a minus 19 point differential. That's not even possible. It's interesting because, you know, you kind of look at how many games have the Vikings won, you know, by one score. And then you look at the Bears, a team that's lost most of their games by one score. Right. And it's kind of like, what if they had won those? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or true. like with the Vikings, what if they had lost those? Right. I mean, so Could be it, it's very I think like you said, I think that they're one and done in the playoffs. Um, Sorry. Justin Jefferson, if you want out of Minnesota and you want to come play for Justin Fields, you know, just, you know, let, let him know. <laughs> yeah, we don't mind. We wouldn't mind taking you. Yeah, we can we can work out a deal. I mind. We can work out a deal. We might have a very lucrative draft pick that we could send your way. Yes. Oh gosh. Oh don't don't. Oh my God. Now I know, I'm, I don't f- think I'm about fanning, it I'm fanning myself just thinking about that. That guy is so freaking good. But again, he blew it for me at my fantasy championship. I'm not happy with Justin Jefferson. Uh so yeah, so the Bears are on this nine game skid. The Vikings might be a fraud, but the Bears have also given up 30 plus points six times over this nine game skid. So this is a get right spot for the Vikings. I think three and a half, four, whatever it is. I'm, I'm picking the, I think the Vikings will cover the spread, Alyssa. I think the bears will do their part. I think they will lose this ball game, even though it was competitive last time. I, I get it. Uh, I just don't think I, you know, after seeing the effort in that game against the lions, I just don't see them kind of rallying the troops and giving the Vikings, a he- giving the Vikings hell in a game that the Vikings want to win and are going to be motivated to win after they got blasted last week against the Packers, right? So I think the Vikings are going to get their best, and I don't think the Bears are going to have the horses to stick with them. I I think I would back the Vikings at uh, minus four on the road, even though they haven't been great on the road in, in weather, right? They lost at Lambeau last week. They got blown out, but still, I like the Vikings. I think when all said and done, the Vikings will win this game uh, by a, a decent margin, and then we'll be watching... Then we'll be, you know, really paying attention to Texans Colts. That's going to be the game of the week. Absolutely, and I mean, also I have to. I'm assuming too that you know the the spread also has to do with they're assuming Justin Fields is playing on Sunday, right? And I think that's a big storyline going into this one, as we talked about. You know, do you really want to risk you know his health? And you know, after the game, Matt Eberflus was you know, basically like, well, if he's healthy, he's playing, right? And then on Monday, he kind of talked it back a little bit and was like, well, we're having discussions with Ryan Poles and coaches and Fields himself. And again, we we know how Fields is going to go. But, and then also there's the fact that Justin Fields has an opportunity to break Lamar Jackson's single season rushing record, right? And he's 64 yards away from doing that. So, I mean, honestly, like in a season where you really don't ha- – I mean, in a game where you have really nothing to play for, I mean, that's something that, you know – that you could kind of spin that into something positive heading into the season. Obviously a win too would be a way to, to spin, to spin it positive going into the off season. But I mean, yeah, I would take the Vikings easily. I think they went by two scores. Um, and because this defense hasn't changed, they're still without Jalen Johnson for the year. Eddie Jackson's still out. I mean, the defense is just, it needs a lot of work <laughs> this off season. And, 
you know, I remember if you remember, remember Justin Jefferson went off for like what 130 yards in the first half of this first game, uh, and he's pissed too. <laughs> so um, it could be a rough game for um, Kyler Gordon, Jalen Jones, and Josh Blackwell. So yeah, um, I take the Vikings with ease by a couple of scores here, um, and I I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Texans to win too. Hey, here we come, number one pick. I love it. I think that's why there's some uncertainty on on whether Fields should play. It's because Ryan Poles is like, guys, we don't want Justin running for 200 yards and winning this ball game. We need to <laughs> we, need, we need to get that number Just one. Just run pick. for 64. I want that run one for 64, pick. And that's no. it. I did all this work to get the number one pick. You guys are trying to win this game. But no, I think I think Justin will will push to play. I think he will. I think he'll go for you know, give him five or six carries, Alyssa. He should get that rushing record, and then you can take him out. I think that would exactly. be a good game plan. I think I'd be pretty happy with that. Let him get his record. Let him kind of salt away a really good second season where we saw some things and we believe in him. He's had a you know a fine year. We we know we have to work on the passing game all around, and and that's going to be the goal in the off season. But like you feel good about the season Justin Fields had in a game in a season that might end with 10 straight losses. <laughs> so that's a neat little trick. So I, I I wouldn't mind that at all. Let Justin start, let him get the rushing record, hopefully in the first half and then whatever Peterman or whoever's going to play the rest of the game. Uh, and then let the Vikings go ahead and, and do their thing and go for their number two seed. And we'll go for the number one pick. I think that's like a perfect game plan for Sunday. And that's yeah, what I'm hoping for. That's what we're talking about, too, when it comes to valuable reps, right? When they're still in the game early, right? You know, let him get his carries, let him get the record, and let him get those reps. But once things get out of hand, which, I mean, they got out of hand in the first half uh, of the first meeting earlier this season. So then sit him for the second half, right? I mean, let him get the record, let him come out, you know, come out or end his sophomore season on high notes and keep him healthy most of all, right? Because you cannot afford an injury to him at this point in a meaningless game when, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done in the offseason. And, you know, you want to see him get more reps of Chase Claypool and whoever else that they bring in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's like get the record, get the loss, get the number one pick. <laughs> I love it. That's why I'm watching on Sunday. How about you? Last game of the 2023 season, Bears Vikings. Looking forward to it. Alyssa and I will we will be back next week to break down what happens in that game, and then we'll officially be on the 2023. Looking forward to that. Uh, and for Alyssa, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Again, thanks for joining us on the pod this week. We'll catch you next time. Bear down. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.